probably five years I've been able to look back over my whole career and figure out why I did what I did and why I was looking for certain things. And I think so much of it comes back to my sexuality. You know, I think we get such a concentrated dose of other humans in our industry, yeah. and it's a fast track way to develop yourself. The people who experienced those traumas are now the salon owners, mm. and they're like protecting their baby, Absolutely. which is the salon, and that's their means of income. And a lot of apprentices, or just younger students in general, I've been forced into like a particular box, you know? It's like, okay, if you're gonna work for us, you have to do this, as opposed to, let me ask you, what makes you, you? I said, my best foot, I like to lead with the way that I think and the rest comes with it. I said, if the, the moment arises where I'm not accepted because of the way I look, then maybe I'm in the wrong room. But I'm really trying to focus a bit more on the lighter stuff. And it doesn't mean about small talk or talking about things you don't care about, but humor, lightness, positivity. Mm. Like, mm. like, life's fun, we can take ourselves far too seriously sometimes. I'm really struggling with it. Like, I, I'm trying to like move away from the service provider type of level. And for me, building my personal brand has been really important in that, because now the clients that come to see me, they respect me on a brand level. Yeah, but purely because there's a level of excellence that I want to work to and uh, a standard that I hold myself to, um, as a technician. Yeah. Hair is a, a very, very powerful tool to make people feel better, to make them feel themselves, it can serve a purpose, but if that basic foundation of self-esteem and self-compassion isn't there, like, it's very hard to make somebody happy. You make, people put far too much emphasis in their hair to fix all their problems. Okay, so, episode 10 of the Network Podcast. We are privileged to be back doing another podcast, but this time with a difference. Our first ever guest, welcome Jack Martin to the Network Podcast. Thank you so much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you. I like you set up. I feel like I'm being uh, in, what's the word, when you go to the police station and you get like told off. Not like I've been in a police station. But like, so like, tell me about so. that, Jack. <laughs> we'll, 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 we'll cover that. We'll cover that. We'll start there. What, what, what's it like? This is the interrogation room here. Um, but yeah, look, it's a really great moment for us in terms of our, our podcast and our experience. I think, you know, we've always wanted to get guests on. Um, but we started off doing, I guess, nearly 10 episodes by ourselves just to yeah. kind of get the flow for it. So then when we bring somebody in, we're ready. So um, thanks for, for joining us. up nicely, ready for me. Yeah. <laughs> ready for it. Yeah. Ready for it. So if you're in Australia, and I guess you know, many people around the world will uh, know much about Jack Martin. They'll know who you are, kind of what you do. And, you know, some people will know why you do it. Some people won't. Um, so do you want to give yourself a brief introduction? Yeah, cool. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. No, I, I just, I mean, I've been following you guys very closely over your recent careers. And um, yeah, I think it's amazing what you're doing. I love this podcast. I love everything you're doing for the industry. So um, yeah, thank you very much. It's an honor to be here. Um, yeah, I guess I have been in the industry now for 22 years, originally from the UK, just outside London. Um, I've been with Tony and Guy as a colorist for that entire time. Transferred over here about 17 years ago. I've been backwards and forwards a little bit. Um, but yeah, I guess I've, my, I've got my finger in a few pies. Mm -hmm. um, I guess my career kind of evolved about 15 years ago, doing a bit more education, but kind of just here and there really, a lot of it with Weller. 
Mm -hmm. An Etonian guy, I've worked exclusively with Weller in Australia for over 15 years now. So kind of Weller used me as one of their kind of ambassadors. And um, so I've been educating on behalf of Etonian guy and Weller kind of here and there with various little projects. Um, I'm also fortunate enough to be part of the Fame Team, which is, for those of you that don't know, an industry um, mentorship program um, that through an audition process, we choose four under 35-year-old up-and-coming hairdressers. Um, I suppose, I don't quite like this word, but it's almost like a bit of an elitist thing, you know, like you're almost ready to be a, a big platform artist. Mm -hmm. And we kind of give you the opportunity to be on a platform for 12 months, introduce you to a lot of other hairdressers around the country and the world, do a series of photo shoots and shows and kind of help polish you off. Mm -hmm. um, so my role is one of the coordinators and creative directors for that. Um, the Fame team's been huge in my own like personal development. And then I guess over the last few years, I've been kind of working on a project um, yeah, self-development, personal development, emotional well-being type of program for hairdressers. And I guess that's kind of, that's called Project U. That's yeah. very much my um, passion project. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of been organically rolling out in lots of different forms over the last couple of years, both online and in person. And um, yeah, so they're my, my things. In the Salon with Tony and Guy, teaching on behalf of Tony and Guy and Weller. And then this bit of personal development, really. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. Love it. We're kind of like that too. We have our fingers in a lot of different ways. Yeah, yeah. So I can definitely relate <laughs> there. Um, but, you know, listening back to your story and when I've heard it before, you've kind of taken more of an alternative route, I would say, than in most. Like you haven't been afraid to question like the status quo. Like, you know, like we were saying off camera before, it's like, if you don't want to do something, it's like, nah, what, like, why do I do it that way? You know, or yeah. why should I do it that way? I'm not going to do it. Um, but obviously, you know, maybe take us back and to when you first started out in the industry and how you kind of forged the path that you're on now. Yeah. Do you know what? Like, I know you guys like a bit of a deep dive, so I'll get like deep from the start. Yeah, let's Go get in. Go in. Go in. And I think it's, it's really beautiful to get to this stage in my life I'm 39 now but definitely over the last probably five years I've been able to look back over my whole career and figure out why I did what I did and why I was looking for certain things and I think so much of it comes back to my sexuality of being gay and I suppose being a very sensitive person and being kind of very confused and not quite fitting in from a young age and having a, a lack of self-awareness and that like looking for answers mm -hmm. um, within myself um, and hairdressing, being able to, I suppose, provide me a safe place to kind of do that. Mm -hmm. I think making, reflecting on my own life, my sexuality and being within the hairdressing space has kind of, yeah, helped shape my career. Like mm -hmm. to go right back to the beginning of what, how I got into hairdressing I think I was quite an alternative young art and design student. You know, I was, um, <laughs> the story goes, and if you've ever heard me talk before, you know this, like I had a place at uni doing art and design. I always just like shape, texture, color, whether it was sculpture, painting, sewing. Um, I've just always liked creating, mm -hmm. you know, and I think a phrase I like is that to create is to liberate. Like I've always wanted to like produce things. Yeah, yeah. And um, so I was always into art and design and I had a place at uni and um, 
yeah, I wasn't aware of my sexuality, but to everybody else, it was screaming out of me. Yeah. And I would wear my jeans inside out. I had a big bleach stripe in my hair, wore black and white contact lenses, had a few facial piercings. I was like expressing myself. Yeah. Um, very much denied like who I was. And it was suggested to me that um, hairdressing would be like a good space. I think mm. it was my auntie that mm. said like, I think, you, I think you'd like hairdressing, like go and, mm. go and ask like if they need any help, like sweeping floors. So I just thought I'd do it as a part-time, part-time job because um, I had this place at uni. And once I kind of went into that space, uh, again, Tony and Guy was phenomenal, phenomenal of nurturing you and letting you be who you are um, and providing you with a great education, plus the opportunity to create every day mm. on this head mm -hmm. of hair. Like you start to just get in touch with, with who you are. Yeah. Mm. Absolutely. And I think even having the consistent conversations with clients, I think, you know, that's one thing I really valued when I first came into the industry too, was the connection with the client. Yeah. But also how they kind of made you mirror yourself too. Like, yeah. you know, you can kind of relate to them through a certain, certain kind of, uh, in a different type of way, it's isn't it? Absolutely, like it's such a gift. Like I know people talk a lot about how hairdressers or clients open up to the hairdressers and tell them everything. But for me, it works in reverse as yeah. well. Mm. You know, you've yeah. got these very smart, brilliant women intrigued about you yeah. and asking mm. you questions, and it's what yeah. a privilege to yeah. be able to like yeah. have ten plus conversations a day. It's great, and I think it comes back to like it's almost that finding your herd kind of thing, isn't it? Yeah. You know, product of your of your environment. Yeah. Um, do you feel that was what happened when you got into hair? Do you feel like you found your environment a bit more there? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 I always say as well, like my, when I'm at my, at work, I am like my most authentic self. Okay. Because it is such a safe place. Right. And right, you've right. got this intimate setting of like one-on-one. -on -one. Mm. And I'm quite aware of like, I really avoid small talk as soon as I kind of start, well, I wouldn't say small talk, but I don't put on an act. Yeah. I'm not going to yeah, like yeah, yeah. pretend for people. And say things I don't really mean because I'm quite. Well, I have got a strong reaction. I'm glad I'm not the that. only one. <laughs> but I think that also goes back to like being gay, knowing how it feels to like deny who you are and like how mm. uncomfortable it is. Mm. And as soon as you kind of go, oh yeah, I am gay. That like, mm. oh wow, it feels so much better to just speak truth. Mm. Yeah. What was that denial at the start? Was it just environmental? Yeah, very much. Mm. I think it's a UK thing and Irish yeah, thing. Yeah, I, I feel and like even like. This is the funny thing, right? Like since coming to Australia, I've obviously been open to like lots more cultures as well as different people from like sexual, like sexuality wise, everything. And I feel like I've got a lot of gay friends that I'm really close with, like mm. our videographer, Sean, like we're very mm. close with him. And like, I would have had very little experience of that growing up, but there was yeah. a couple of people in my school who were gay, like, and it was very obvious. Mm. And at the time they didn't say it. And one of my best friends growing up was gay and I kind of knew it for a while. And I always kind of gravitated towards them from a friendship standpoint, you know, because I knew that they were kind of maybe feeling something or yeah. they were they were feeling more isolated or alone. So, mm. um, you know, while everyone else might fucking pick on them and this and that, I would always be like just on a level with them, yeah. you know, um, just from a place of trying to understand. Yeah. And uh, mm. I guess that's probably why you're dressing a certain way and. And, you know, that was that expression coming out of you. Yeah. Because, you know, it's the create, like what Absolutely. I got from that is like the creativity side of things. Yeah. Like, you know, you're Jack Martin creative yeah. on your Instagram. <laughs> yeah. But it's like, you're also, that could be Jack Martin expressionist. You yeah. Know? You're just expressing what you have yeah. um, inside yeah. on the outside. I mean, that's the whole thing about like, you know, stereotypically about 
gay people being more creative because it's like yeah you deny a certain part of yourself and then it like just explodes out of you in another way mm. um, yeah it's interesting how that, yeah it's interesting how that works isn't it what's well, there's that saying isn't it the neurotic and the artist are the same person but the artist just has a way to get it out yeah you know it's like all that it, yeah it's all just pent up and then yeah. it just mm. flows out and that's really interesting it'd be interesting to see if there are any studies if gay people are generally more creative you know, yeah. like because of the environmental kind of um, pressure and like the hiding it from the years yeah. is it just comes out of them in they've got to get it out in some way, yeah. whether that's performing, mm. singing, artwork, hair, yeah. you know. It's, yeah. I wonder so what that changed too, you know, it's becoming obviously a lot more accepted in society these Absolutely. days versus, versus 20 years ago when you started yeah. doing hair, you know, like. I think as well, like the other kind of gift that kind of comes with that is, um, forcing you to be self-aware and to reflect on yourself which i think some people don't maybe heterosexual people don't have that opportunity to do until later in life when they're like hang on a minute i'm not quite happy in this situation i don't mm. really want to be in this relationship or in this job because yeah. they haven't done that work on themselves whereas i had that i was forced into forced it forced into it yeah. Forced yeah. Into yeah. introspect you know yeah you know that's kind of what we get with our clients too. say like when you're discovering things about yourselves you know a lot of time a lot of the time like healing comes from like sharing your story with people mm-hmm. and like when you connect with yeah a random person that doesn't have any agenda for or against you like in the yeah. chair you can kind of like there's, it's amazing some of the stuff i tell yeah random clients that i have n- no idea about because they're just yeah. a neutral opinion absolutely yeah. you know yeah and i guess that's the first step on the trauma scale isn't it the first step's talking about it you know yeah. i think what's it there's four steps in it and yeah number one is talking about it yeah. Um, which is very interesting but yeah this space in the salon like just to go back to what you said about talking with the clients um, like I would even though I'm moving into education and all this other type of work like I will always do some form of salon work mm-hmm. meeting people we, we say that as well yeah yeah I think it's important to have that human connection you know and that's something that I put a lot of value on especially within the space that we work in yeah. predominantly males um, I think we need a lot of like meaningful human connection Absolutely. for sure. Mm. Um, and yeah, I put like even my price point, that's, I put a lot of value in my price mm. point because of the kind of space I can hold for people and the conversations that I can have with them. Yeah. You know, yeah. I know they're probably not going to get it elsewhere. Yeah. It might be the small talk or, you know, whatever, yeah. you know, and then I just don't think you know, most blokes don't need more of that. You know, they get yeah. enough of that, you know? Yeah. Um, that's an interesting thing to because I feel like a lot of the time now with education too when it comes to pricing we say I would feel like I would be doing somebody injustice an injustice sorry by like charging them less than what I feel like the education is worth because you want them to see the value in it essentially and there's more to like coming to get a haircut than just you know the actual product of the haircut you know you can still leave feeling shit even if it's a great haircut And I, I guess that's where it brings us nicely onto even Project You, you know, yeah, like yeah. It's, it's almost like we skip a few levels yeah, there. Yeah. But that's kind of why I guess you, you started that project. Yeah. And do you know what? Like at the very beginning, the, I suppose the ignition point of me wanting to put a program together for hairdressers was very much reflecting on, you know, the bit of a global crisis in hairdressing where we have a recruitment problem where there's, for some reason, hairdressing is not seen as an attractive industry for people as much as it once was. And, I've been in the industry and the same company for 20 plus years now and I'm very, very happy and I have very, very 
enjoyable days, mm. very, very content in my space. And it's reflecting on, all right, well, what, what makes me really happy within work? And why have I got such a high retention rate? Mm. That was like the key. Like, why do my clients come mm. to me? Because again, like hands down, I'm not the best technical colorist. I get bleed marks, root glow, mm. you know, like I, mm. I'm, I'm not like, mm. it's hands down. I might have some good ideas. I would say I'm mm. a creative hairdresser, but I'm not the, the best technical colorist. Um, but I do believe it's that emotional connection that I have with them. 100%. And that's why yeah. my clients come back to me. So then I go, okay, well, how do I, how do I do that? How did I get to a stage of having empathy and holding space for people and being authentic? And it's like, well, let's, yeah. let's put some exercises together. Let's do some workshops. Let's like mm-hmm. put some pen to paper. Like mm. let's like, yeah. write down your ideas. It's coming back to that expression as well. Yeah. You know, like mm. trying to, and we touched it a little bit up on this off camera was um, about if you see a problem and finding the solution to the problem because we see that as well um, with the barbering industry is just as affected if not even more affected Mm. um, in terms of recruitment and staff and this and that and and there's clearly something there that's Mm. there's a void that's not it's being ignored what do you you think happened what do you think happened with the hair industry why is there a recruitment problem you think it's post-pandemic or is it been going uh, on for a while? Started before that. I think the apprenticeship model is probably outdated. Mm-hmm. Um, I think this whole um, almost model as well of I'm an icon, I'm the best hairdresser, you follow me and copy me for mm-hmm. years and you do all the crap jobs for a while. Mm-hmm. I think people have felt that because of the amount of education and things that are available online very easily and how easily you can build your own brand, um, I don't. I can just learn a few things on YouTube very quickly, and yeah. everybody wanting everything very, very quickly. Mm. I can set up my own Instagram with my own branding yeah. and mm. learn a few things. I don't need to like wash hair for three years. Yeah. So I think it's the way we treat apprentices, and also the younger people wanting things very quickly without yeah. doing hard work. Yeah. And there's that big, you know, yeah. somewhere in the middle is where we need to meet. Amazing. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. I, I totally Hit agree. Hit the nail on the head. That's what we always talk about. Mm. And like I've had a very alternative route in my career too in terms of that like I didn't go through the apprenticeship yeah. program and I didn't get subject to maybe some of that trauma mm. you know and I feel like I've had this recent theory where I'm kind of trying to piece it all together you know I'm gaining information from all the different sources and trying to figure out where did it all go wrong yeah and like the way I look at it like is a lot of the time in them systems you know, people have to clean the toilets and they have to scrub the floors and they have to do this, but they might be the most talented hairdresser mm-hmm. or creative in the world. Yeah. But their boss who is passing on their generational trauma is holding them in the position that they were once in. Absolutely. And they're not ending it where it needs to be ended. Yeah. You know, they can just, they could stop it there if they really wanted to, yeah. but it's the awareness. They don't have the awareness around that. And yeah. maybe that's what Project U will bring, you know? Well, look, and I called it Project U, which I know it sounds a bit like egotistical or narcissistic to be about, oh, this is about you when we're trying to move away from that. But the problem I've seen is that um, a lot of apprentices or just younger students in general have, have been forced into like a particular box, you know? It's like, okay, if you're going to work for us, you, you have to do this. As opposed to, let me ask you, what makes you you? What makes you unique? Because that's what people are doing online on their social medias. Like they're, they're posting things that they love. They're putting their name and their branding and then they're going to work for somebody that's like, you have to copy me. 
It's like, mm. no, yeah. allow some space to be like, let me, from day one, I want you to do a mood board about things that you love, things that make you great. What makes you good about yourself? What do you want to work on? And even just allowing that space for people to explore who they are should actually keep them within something. I think there's that fear of if I build you up and build your confidence, you're just going to leave very quickly. Mm. But if you provide them with the tools and the space to do that, I believe there will be loyalty. Mm. Yeah, that's why money response. can never really like fill yeah. that void. You know? <laughs> yeah, I think that comes back into we're almost going into the world of better leadership now. I think that Simon Sinek talks a lot about that. You know, a great leader will find all the good things about you and. and push you towards them yeah. and I think that's where it hasn't happened before and maybe there's a bit of an identity thing you know tying yourself okay I'm a hairdresser and I do this and this is the model you know mm. um, but yeah I think that's going to be the approach moving forward is definitely looking at you know what do you bring to the table and how can we nurture you because the way that I explain it is like I think we need to look at us as humans first yeah. you know the, the, everything else comes on top of that the hairdresser is yeah. next and your know, hobbies and stuff like that yeah. but you are a human and let's nurture you and make you grow as a human. Yeah. Um, and maybe that's the big shift throughout the world and society yeah. and, and, and humans in general. We, we've just tied our identities to things and been like, okay, this is what I do. This yeah. is how I am. It makes a lot of people miserable. I mean, yeah. the proof's in the pudding, you know? <laughs> and I guess that's why we're here today, you're talking about all this stuff. Yeah. If there wasn't a problem, we wouldn't be here, right? So Even that, reflecting on those simple questions of like, when are you at your best? Like, what what is your best? What does that look like? like? What does that look like? Yeah, like, lean into that. And then the problem with even answering those questions is the noise that we have around us, how we just plug ourselves into media, or even as hairdressers listening to other people's stories all day, every day. Mm. And this is where, again, we were talking off camera earlier about removing all of that noise and stimulation for lockdowns. And I know, I'd say the majority of hairdressers I've spoken to have had a brilliant time during lockdown yeah. because it's that yep. space to... It's the autonomous reflect. kind of feeling of being in control i think if you're in control of your own life like we spoke about this as well off camera (laughs) and it's like i think having that choice to be able to do what you want and also like working back from what does your ideal week look like and now look that can be realistic and unrealistic you know a lot of people will say oh you know i'd be you know I can say it now. One of the boys during the week, I asked the boys like at, that we work with because he probably won't listen to this anyway. So, um, I asked him what would his ideal week look like, and he said, oh, "I'd be down at the south of France, like sanding a boat and s- mm. drinking wine and s- smoking cigars." And it's like, well, that's not realistic either. Like, what would you do when you wake up? That's what I'm wondering. Like, how would you spend your time? Yeah. You know, like you were saying, you'd like to go on bike rides yeah. and just discover and yeah. explore, and it's that autonomy and the kind of freedom that you have within that i think that's what we're coming back to and and one thing that you said a minute ago about like calling it project you and how it seems like it could be a certain perceived in a certain way i don't we always talk about Mm -hmm. it like in our podcast too and it's like you have to start with you before you can be better for anyone else it's like when the plane is going down you have to put on that oxygen mask for you first Yeah. yeah and then you can be better for everyone else and you can recognize it in other people yeah and help them in a, in a more positive way. Yeah. We're, we're really passionate about that. Like it is, you know, I think one of the cliche things you ask, oh, why'd you do hair? Oh, I just love making people feel great. It's like, that's good, but what about you? You know, and I can't remember who I heard it from. It was another hairdresser and they were like, you never started this for somebody else. Mm. You start, you really started it for you. You yeah. did. Um, 
And that, I think that's another thing. We probably haven't put enough focus on that. Because mm. like Owen said, you know, the better we are, the better we can be of service for others. And it's all for other people. And I, th- I feel like a lot of hairdressers, especially like, you know, the way you were kind of referring to, like, here's the top of the, the best hairdresser in the world and here everyone else should follow me. I feel like sometimes you can get caught up at that top part and think that nothing else matters. But underneath is a lot of, the majority of the industry is underneath that plateau or that kind of platform and there's a big self-esteem issue there with people and they're not charging their worth and then they don't see it as a as a career path they just Mm. see it as a job like a Mm. yeah five o'clock here here i am i'm gone like Mm. no passion for it's just and they don't feel like, like they have the confidence to get out and try something else like it's not putting yourself in that box like you said mm. you know and questioning the blueprint always i think that's one of been one of the issues in the the whole like hiring problem right now is in the conversations that we've been involved in that it, it's almost like they're trying to make it like a job role you know it's like how do we fill the roles it's like oh it's not coals we're kind of gonna, <laughs> like, we're kind of we gonna just fill the role you know yeah. it's like this takes a very particular type of person to be mm-hmm. in this industry and, and perform well and be you know successful in wh- however you see success um but i think that's been one of the issues maybe it comes from the tafe system is how it's kind of marketed to us and set us up to be okay now you're ready to do the job mm-hmm. um and that kind of di- i feel like that dilutes our, our whole industry it kind of waters it down a little you know, it puts a bit We've of a ceiling loads on of people just too. filling the role, you know. Yeah. I would look, there is a market for that. Again, I guess it depends what the consumer thinks hair is. Um, we can, we're going to cater for everybody. But to me, I just feel like that dilutes it down. And I guess that's why we're so passionate right now about trying to show people what else can be done as a creative person. It's not just about the cutting hair, you know, even stuff like this, the media, the, the photos, the, the training, everything like that. Mm. Um, and just developing as a human. Yeah. Um, you know, I think we get such a concentrated dose of other humans in our industry yeah. that it's a fast track way to develop yourself. Yeah, that sure. human development is, is what's missing from the early stages of apprenticeships and schools. Mm. The, you know, mm. I can't remember having those those conversations that the human conversation should i say the emotional stuff that happens in the pub after work that that doesn't happen like within the schools yeah, yeah. yeah. and that's i think the problem mm. yeah I think, the open and honest communication maybe yeah between everybody because yeah i, I totally get that too yeah. and it's like you're, you're putting on this is the thing that i have a, an issue recently something just clicked into place with the whole role model thing like <laughs> i just don't like that word like role model because it is it's an assumption that you're putting on an act like you're playing a role you know even though it's just something that we've been programmed to say it shouldn't it should be being an example yeah not necessarily being a role model yeah you know because yeah, as, yeah, as yeah, an example you fully embody it you know yeah, you you're living, that's it, how you live you know yeah, you yeah. are it yeah like you said as well earlier like there's no other version of you you know like yeah. what you see is what you get yeah very similar to us like you know we don't go home after this podcast and just start thinking other things you know like this is yeah. a, these are the conversations how we have, have you know <laughs> maybe not this intense all the time no, you know no. but like it's close it's yeah. close i was thinking earlier, like listening to your podcast like you're the type of boys that like we are all probably the type of boys that you go to a party and you end up in the kitchen just having like a real big oh, yeah, real like, yeah, 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 yeah. you're right like yeah, yeah no i'm on a good one yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I'll have a good day now. No, absolutely. Yeah. We love him too. That's why we started the podcast because we were having yeah. these conversations on the phone and we were like, we need to share this yeah. mm. because the more people we share it with, the, 
then you can actually change and it starts small i think a lot of people get scared of that too you know like yeah. they're scared of sharing their story and their truth because they feel like it's going to be judged and mm. they don't know who it can affect even if it's only one person yeah. it's, it's worth sharing i think that's something we need to incorporate into our kind of human development stuff is just trying to get rid of that judgment you know yeah. it's rife throughout our whole it's just society in general isn't it yeah. you know western society i guess there's a lot of judgment i think you realize as well i think once you kind of start doing that like i think once you start to kind of speak your truth or the things that you might perceive as being judged and you realize that oh actually there isn't that like, judgment people are too concerned with like their own uh, mm. themselves mm. Yeah. to judge anybody else and to, yeah. once you start speaking it it's like oh yeah this is actually kind of a lot easier than i, yeah. than I thought absolutely i think yeah. like nobody actually cares like yeah when you really think about it yeah. nobody yeah. cares like about anything so i was saying like, in, in an argument as well if as long as you kind of admit the things that are maybe a bit more unsavory about you or maybe like the mistakes that you've made the other person tends to back off arguments happen when it's like people are in denial it's like you're such mm. a hypocrite yeah, yeah, yeah. If somebody turns around and go yeah do you know what actually i am a bit of a hypocrite mm. the other person hasn't really got anywhere to go with yeah, that yeah yeah and you, you it's channeling the ego we, yeah. we've both experienced that oh and Ando, we, in recent months both experienced it and you know it's something that we spoke about for a long time but then it presented itself and we had a chance to uh, exercise it in two different scenarios and you're exactly right it's like where do you go from there you know yeah. it's like okay yep i did that oh okay and then yeah. it's it's back to yeah, yeah. <gasps> okay yeah. i listened to um, a great um interview yesterday with like brene brown okay general, um, amazing she's great she's so phenomenal and what i really like about it i'm gonna go off on a tangent now what I like about her is, you know, she she looks at the science and all the studies, but then we'll also kind of have this not counteractive like angle, but then she'll talk about her own personal experiences and how she's not quite there yet. You know, so mm. she's like, I've read the studies, blah, 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 but the, these are my experiences. But she was talking about cancel culture. Right. And like where that comes from. And she's, she was saying how I believe we, we're really bad at holding people accountable. So, and holding ourselves accountable. So say if somebody fucked up, instead of saying, I just want to take you aside at the moment, I need to just let you know that uh, these actions have done this, this and this. Can we have a sensible conversation about it and allow the other person to either defend themselves articulately or back down? So instead of being able to have that confrontation, mm. um, we just blast them with like, mm. I'm going to cancel you. I'm going to like throw abuse yeah, at you yeah. and write these things it's rationale isn't it i think yeah. um i can't remember who it was i think it's steven pinker or somebody like that he's just been on joe rogan and i haven't watched the full video yet but the title is what's gone wrong with our rationale where has it gone mm -hmm. and it's it's even just let's look at what's happened in the, the last two years we haven't been able to have that open conversation mm -hmm. of like this is what's happened Let's all have a conversation about it. It's, yeah. it's like the whole, I was always taught in, in hairdressing, you know, you're trying to formulate a color, like three heads are better than one, right? Oh, and what do you think? Jack, what do you think? What do I think? I don't have to use your ideas, but at least we can come mm. to, to a kind of, uh, yeah, an end point. So. Yeah. But I think that's right. I think we've lost a bit of rationale. We've lost a bit of accountability on both sides. Yeah. Then it's, where's that come from? <laughs> Is it the, in is having, it the internet? Anonymous, anonymity. Yeah. And I think, you know, bringing it back to our industry and like where the current kind of problems and issues are, because that's what we can kind of, you know, control in our lives is mm. like we all have a platform and it's, we can speak about these things in our industry. And I think, you know, a lot of um, them kind of 
built up things and, and the traumas and stuff within people in hair come from the environment that they've been yeah. in throughout their careers. Yeah. And now is the time, okay, we can change it. But the people who experience those traumas are now the salon owners mm. and they're like protecting their baby, Absolutely. which is the salon and that's their means of income. Yeah. But the way I've been kind of explaining it recently is like after COVID came along and we all had this awakening it's almost like the great resignation is happening within yeah, the hair yeah, industry yeah. and people have i guess seen what is possible for themselves they started doing hair at home yeah enjoy their life they're in control yeah, yeah. and it's like what what now and it's like with the salon owners the way i've explained it to and i haven't really had the heart to say it to some some of them but it's mm-hmm. it's almost like just putting your money in a bad coin on crypto Mm-hmm. you know it's like it could just go down yeah, like that yeah. and like it's just like that's, that's just the world we're in that's yeah. business though you know you do any business course read any business book and that's it it's about picking the right thing and things move you know yeah who, who can move with the with the tide yeah. um look we've been very fortunate that the business model that we've been running has worked probably for the last hundred years everything changes everything's yeah. going to move on um and to evolve with it and not to act out of fear. Mm. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Adapt. Let, it, yeah, let, adapt, the, exactly. let the river flow. Let yeah, the river flow. Yeah. Like, just go with it, you know, and, yeah. and figure out a new way. And that's yeah. like the innovation side of things where you have to start, yeah. start thinking about, like, yeah. what's here, what's there, and how do we close the gap, essentially. Yeah. Well, it's like the whole, is it the critical thinking, you know, topic that we always talk about, you know, are the, are the solutions we have the pro- to the problems today still the solutions to the problem tomorrow? Yeah. And right now, a lot of them, the answer is no. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and and then what does that mean moving forward? And what I see coming, to me, isn't strange. I think history always repeats itself. You know, I feel like the the time of the uh, freelancer and the, the the personal brand is coming back. But let's go back a hundred years ago. That's probably the same thing. Everybody was probably very entrepreneurial. You know, they were trading. You know, trade for trade. You know, oh Jack, have you got that? I'll give you some of this for that. You know, and like, you know, maybe we get back to a bit of a barter society or whatever. I, it's not uh, foreign to us, I think. In, in the short term, it is, but in the long term, mm. these things just keep going back around in a cycle. And I think it takes long enough for us to forget a certain thing. And then we come back and we go, oh, maybe we'll try this again now. And yeah. it's it's very um, like time specific as well. Yeah. Like, like we talk about, the internet's changed a lot of things. Um, but it takes just a little drop in the ocean like that to be yeah. like, okay, maybe we need to do things like this now. And I think there's a lot of things happen on the human scale, the uh, you know the internet scale and the business scale. I think the whole thing is changing now. It's, you actually look at it as exciting. Like, I guess I'm someone that gets bored quite quickly. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. when there's like a shift, like if I start to notice myself feeling a bit uncomfortable or there's a bit of unhappiness or business is going down, it's like cool, great, this is this is a great opportunity to yep. reinvent, yep. a new opportunity. Yep. I'm going to be stimulated by change. Where where can I see... Beautiful. I remember when the start of COVID, um, when they announced this lockdown, and I was... Oh, admittedly, on the very last day when we knew we were going to lockdown that night, it was a bit overwhelming because you were like, oh my God, is, what's the world going to look like mm. in future? But I was so stimulated. Mm. Like, this is mm. going to be great. Like There's going to be innovation. Mm. This is going to be thinking. Mm. This is like grassroots mm. stuff again. Like, yeah, where where like, do you think that comes from? Because I've got a bit of that. I, I was talking to Owen about it. I think we did a couple of podcasts ago. Even in the crappiest situations, like I said, some bad shit happened throughout lockdown. But somehow I still found the positive and like the upward. But that do you shit think that's weird? Too, it just happens all the time anyway. But it's yeah, just, you know. But like, I, I try to try to trace it back, trace it back, trace it back, trace it back, and I feel like this is we've got a similarity here. 
in the in in your younger years it's almost like when you're saying you were denying who you were there was almost like this resilience you had to have mm. every, all the time i'm sure there's been like low moments same same for me but like the way that i tend to look at it with me is my my dad is a very much a get on with it kind of guy you know i'll just get on with it you know but a lot of a lot of people that i say that to now are like oh you can't say that to people now it's like well it worked for me and i go well how did it work for me and i i think it's the way that it's packaged yeah my dad would be like he wouldn't be like oh get on with it in a negative connotation mm. he would tie a positive connotation to yeah, it yeah, yeah. and i think that's how it works for me lockdown comes along and i'm like shit you know, give me four hours. And I'm like, let's get yeah, going. Yeah, you know, yeah. like, and I, I don't know. And, and for a long time, I didn't know. I wasn't even conscious of it. Yeah. It just, it just happened. And I see that in you as well. It's yeah. like you almost. There's this almost this like thing. It's and it can happen all of a sudden. Yeah. You know, within an hour, I'll be like, let's go. I think yeah. that comes back to like it comes yeah. back to environment too, though, and like yeah. it's what we're listening to around us yeah. at that particular yeah. moment. Yeah. Like when lockdown mm. gets announced, everyone's like everyone's panicking yeah right because they don't have that maybe creative mind or they can't yeah. think out so that like framework constraints yeah. so it's yeah. like for me it's like you got to be careful about who you listen to it's like all, almost as soon as lockdown gets announced put your earmuffs on like mm. your yeah, invisible yeah, yeah, ones yeah, yeah. just don't listen to anything or mm. anyone else's input yeah yeah like it's been the best thing that's ever happened to me in my life yeah. almost you yeah. know it's, it's transformed my life and put me on a different path yeah. completely of self-discovery yeah. yeah discovering like i'm doing a lot of soul work like deep stuff yeah. like i feel like crying almost every day like <laughs> multiple times yeah. you know just listening like, to podcasts and yeah, stuff. yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. i'm digging deeper yeah, into that hole yeah, exactly. yeah, every day yeah. i had the gratitude moment on the way here like i met since last night i haven't really had time to like kind of let everything sink in i met owen this morning and like i just put I was going to listen to a podcast on the way here. We do that sometimes. I was like, I'm going to get in the mood. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to put some music on. Yeah. Put the music on and I'm driving the sunshine. I've got this big grin on my face and I'm like, oh, this is hearing me right in the fields. You know, yeah, like yeah. just that overwhelming, like, this is fucking great. Yeah. You know? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's yeah. like discovering things about yourself because like, like we touched on again off camera earlier. This is where we need a, a videographer with us to just capture yeah. stuff. But there's a difference between, you know, like this whole statement of let's get back to normal. Let's get back to normal. And it's like, is that normal? It's like there's a difference between normal and natural. Mm. Normal is still a creation. So like you create a normal and the normal during lockdown seems like, seems more normal to me than standing behind the chair for 12 hours type of thing. You yeah, know? I think it's like um, one of my clients, she's brilliant. She's so, so smart, sociologist. Um, like she would challenge everything. Like if somebody says... Um, let's get back to normal. She's like, okay, word that another way. Like, what's what's your normal? What do you mean by mm. that? Use a different word. And it's like, oh, actually, well, maybe I mean like a place of security or a place of like routine or a place of like, you know, like, yeah. let, let's like a blanket. Start, let's break yeah. that down yeah, a little yeah, bit yeah. more. Yeah, you know. But even the the pressure of doing things in a normal way. You know, we we just listened to a podcast. I think it was yesterday or the day before. Um, you know, trying to just what what even is normal. You know, let's even look back to like personality traits. You know, there is a, a story about this guy. He was talking about, you know, his mum and dad, I think they broke up when he was really young, you know, and, and then he was stuck in a trauma pattern of like, because he didn't think that was normal. Mm. And the guy was like, but what is normal? You know, and they, they don't know. And it's, it's like, I think if you approach everything like that, it's very freeing, yeah. you know, mm. because that, and that's, I think, again, where I kept this lockdown was so powerful for me. 
I came into this kind of idea of it. And, you know, I was just reading a lot of like Stoic philosophy at the time and stuff like that. So it makes you just kind of let that stuff go. And I was trying to pump that message on my Instagram story. It's like, look, don't waste this moment because this is meant to happen right now and try and use it and, and take a lot from it. Because what is normal at the end of the day? Maybe this is just meant to happen, yeah, you know? Yeah. <laughs> like, um, if, if it wasn't normal, what, how is it supposed to be? And why is it supposed to be that yeah. way? And I look at that, even in our industry, you know, and, and human life in general, there's probably a thousand ways we could have done this. This is just one way we chose to do it, yeah. you know? And that's why I'm so confident that we're going to get the changes that we need yeah. because everything, everything we've done, we've chose to do it this way and we could choose to do it a different way. Yeah. You know, we just need that openness to remove the judgment yeah. and uh, things were, it's almost like the domino effect then focusing on the human things first again oh, it's like man. focusing on the so people powerful. of the industry mm. rather than the industry itself like when I think of the industry I just think of big like what are them factories that are just blowing steam out like you know just, it's just a big machine churning over a load of money for certain people but it's the people putting the coal into the machine is what we need to worry about you yeah. know yeah. and yeah. more so uh, further than the skill level yeah. So like when people reach out to me now and say, oh, I need staff, I need staff. It's like, why do you need staff? Yeah. There's multiple answers to that. Why? Multiple answers. It's like a multiple answer question, mm -hmm. but it's very loaded. And it's mm -hmm. like when they give me the answers, like I know exactly if I really want to like help or if I don't want to help. But either way, I need to help yeah. somehow. If it's just a mindset shift, yeah. um, mm -hmm. I think that's important, you know? Yeah. It's like maybe, what, are you trying to create a legacy here? Are you just trying to grab <laughs> yeah. money until next week? Because we're in such a brick and mortar industry. Yeah. People have a really difficult time thinking about the future like and working for something that might not necessarily materialize for mm -hmm. a long time, you know? That's hard to get out of that in our industry, though, because we're paid incrementally by time, aren't we? You know, especially if you look at our the, the kind of barbershop setup. Every 45 minutes, you get X amount of dollars, X amount of dollars, X amount of dollars. It's just almost like you can see the whole week boom, 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 laid out. Mm -hmm. So to get out of that, I mean, we've had these situations a little bit lately, different comments on like what we're doing and stuff. Like we're almost like in the model that we have now, it's like work now and get paid in three months time. Mm -hmm. It's hard to shift that mentality mm -hmm. uh, from where we're so locked into this incremental payment thing. Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, anyway, let's, uh, yeah. We'll take it on, on a different direction. Now. We'll ask you, we'll ask you a, a question about uh, about something else that's, I guess, even maybe to give us some more about Project U, you know, like getting back to that because we kind of spun off a little bit there. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah, look, um, that's been something, that's been a really interesting journey for me. Um, like I said, wanting to pull together a program for other people, but that's very much about me kind of taking myself um for a bit of personal development and kind of wanting to put like a A to Z kind of like structure to something. Like I do, like you boys, I listen to a lot of podcasts, do a lot of courses, read things. And it's, you can get into this self-analysis spiral mm -hmm. and, you know, there's no beginning, there's no end and it all gets a bit jumbled and a bit messy. And I, I think what was really beautiful for me about Project U is thinking what's the end goal and then what's at the start and then what order should I put things in? Mm -hmm. And that's probably been such a, the most beneficial part for me with the program is realizing that the aim of the program is to kind of build empathy and connection with a client because it's connection that I suppose creates business ultimately. Mm. So let's work backwards. And what's the first step to like, how, how can you teach empathy? 
And it starts with, yeah, building the, the self-knowledge and the self-awareness. Let's sit and create the space for you to reflect on yourself. Starting very small with even, like I said, when you're at your best, even like what are your favourite colours? What's your favourite music? What song makes you feel like you? What outfit makes you feel like you? And when you ask people those questions, it shifts their mindset and puts them into a particular state. And it's like, right, this, that state, that's what we want to focus mm. on. And then you start doing the deeper work. That so. kind of opens the door. Like yeah. them kind of, they're like the light questions yeah, to just yeah, yeah, open yeah. the door. Let's get a little bit further yeah, yeah, now. Yeah. Like let's sit with that feeling. and get, Well, actually it always starts with being in the body. I think you have to, to have self-awareness on an emotional level. You have to be aware of your body. And this is where you know diet exercise sleep is so important like to be able to feel and connect with all of your different muscles is a, is a first step once mm. you can feel yourself physically then you can feel yourself on an emotional level so at the start i, th- I think that that that's the foundations the self-awareness the self-knowledge because then from there you can start to build the self-confidence and the self-esteem mm. and then i do believe once you've got self-esteem self-confidence in place um you can be authentic you can be honest and it's not about being perfect or being positive all of the time but it's about being honest and once all of those things are in place i believe then the empathy can happen Mm -hmm. because you can't have empathy and connect with other people if you don't recognize yourself in them 100 percent. i i just think that first step's the hardest step absolutely trying to become self-aware can take people a lifetime you know and i don't know what clicks it into some some people get it real quick some people get it real early some people just never get it um i would love to see yeah if there was a formula for that that would yeah. be cool but i guess that's the that's, that's the magic bullet there yeah, isn't it like <laughs> those like like dumbing down those questions like again the levels of kind of depth to this education that i've done that like, i've gotten way too overwhelmed like i got to a stage pulling together that program where i think i was the closest i've ever been to having like a panic attack mm. like i'm not an overly anxious person but i'm a deep thinker mm. but the analysis paralysis around that like why am i like that why am i and it was exhausting and confusing and i was like i don't know why i've even started this project because i'm even more co- like confused <laughs> than yeah, why I was at the start. yeah yeah but to go back to those very simple questions mm. of being aware of things that the physical things around you that affect your feelings like how do you want to feel like look at your environment the space the shape the colors the music yeah. take the sensory the, the sensory the things. sensory stuff you know it's yeah. like it's kind of cool like listening to you in that in that as well it's like that it's all that's adding to your journey too yeah you know like that frustration and confusion and like ah it's like it's all those light bulb moments for you going off yeah. as well you know, you know? and that's that's a growth moment when you're going through yeah. that um tough time trying to figure something out it kind of brings you back to like growing up right yeah 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 and it's a it's it's a bit like frustration but like you know on the other side of that pain is growth yeah and then you're like now like what you said earlier again off camera (laughs) you were saying once i've you've changed your mind your mindset sorry to the point where you can't look at things any differently you can't go back make permanent changes but that, that kind of relates back to what i noticed earlier as well is like there's a consistent theme there. You somehow take get yourself out of it in mm-hmm. all that frustration, and that could have spun someone off, and they'd be like, "Stuff it, chuck mm-hmm. it out." But ha- I love that. I like. I'm the same. I'll get ah, oh, and then but somehow here it is. You've got ten yeah. and somehow you pulled yourself out of it, and you did it. Yeah, you know, because that could destroy some people. Yeah. Absolutely destroy some people. And I just can't help but think that comes from your fundamentals from probably before we even know 
yeah. you know, or, or very environmental through up to a certain point. Um, yeah, there's definitely a lot of medad in, in, in that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah, uh, that's great. That's great. Genetics, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I yeah. think my, like, hairdressing has been, like, a beautiful environment and a very, very safe place. Like, I, I have so much gratitude and thanks for the other hairdressers I've worked with um, and my clients. Like, I, I really thank my clients a lot Amazing. for kind of yeah. keeping me in that, in that yeah. space, in that mindset. Yeah. I, I think I undervalue my clients. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. Not, I think what I've come to realize lately is like, I said it like earlier, it's, it's a fast track. You would just get such a concentrated dose of people. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that's accelerated the way that I think and, mm-hmm. and kind of exacerbated it in a way, um, which is, yeah, I think I've undervalued that. But do you because, have like, what, do you, what percentage of time would you spend talking about them versus talking about yourself versus talking about ideas and other people right now it's pretty good i've gotten it to a pretty good point but i'll I'll reverse back about five or six years i did have a bit of a crisis where i thought shit i've gotten good at being everything for this person i've replicated everything they've ever told me i've given the exact haircut they've ever wanted and i've talked to them about all the things that they want to talk about you know and this it was very the scale was tipped but i've done a, a good job of pulling it back i've got still got a lot to learn like i'm not the most um what's the word like gentle person sometimes you know it comes across a little harsh but it's coming back it's definitely coming back and i would love to that's where i'd love to maybe go do some more genuine stuff with you is like i've been told that before that i need more empathy but then my question is how do i learn it you can tell me all you want but if you don't give me actionable steps yeah i'm sorry but it's not gonna work and like well, that comes back to again like your your upbringing like the yeah. empathy, it's hard to be empathetic when you're in an environment where but it's like just get no, over i think it, you know? yeah, i think yeah. something that uh, i think a fine line that we need to kind of differentiate is like is it empathy or compassion i think empathy I feel it so bad on the inside. Like if you're having a shit time, I feel it so bad. And I think my frustration comes sometimes from like not being able to help. Is voicing it. Or if you're not getting it, you know, I'm like, oh, it doesn't have to be this way for you, you know. But maybe it's the compassion in actually being able to voice it. I think that's where I go wrong. And that's where my upbringing maybe comes into play. Because the empathy is definitely there. I definitely feel it a lot. Um and it's crippling sometimes, but yeah. then there's that like, oh, I'm kind of stuck on the compassion part. I'm it's like, analysis oh, paralysis. how do I do it? You know? Yeah. It's analysis paralysis. Yeah. Or, maybe or there's, maybe there's a um, ego protection there of just being like, no, don't say that. Yeah. They're not going to like that, you know, or yeah, whatever, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, but then that comes back to the people pleasing and it's like, okay, why is that happening? Is it like, Oh, don't say that. That might hurt their feelings. Then you're going to feel bad. And then it's that mm. to and fro of like people pleaser. Again, that stuck with me from being so young. And that comes back to where your value structure is built and all that kind of stuff. Um, but I think that's my roadblock is the compassion for sure. Like the empathy is definitely there. Um, it's just how then do I bring that to the surface as a neutral kind of source? Yeah, I think um, I had a, I suppose when I started all of this like Project G thing and um, getting really self-aware and reflective and looking at like my friendship group, like I've got a lot of very opinionated, very vocal people around me. And sometimes in a group of people, I can get a little bit um, stunned and I can like sit back and just listen and be afraid to kind of speak my opinion and, and my mind and just get very like, oh, I don't really know what I think. Like I understand you, but I understand you as well. It's almost this like, 
overly understanding person but mm-hmm. I, but I don't really know what my opinion is with this and just go, thinking in the salon I think I've now like turned that around thinking god that's such a beautiful thing though to be able to sit and listen to yeah. 10 people a day and just to extend understanding to them as opposed mm. to forming an opinion or having judgment or even feeling the need to actually say anything as opposed to just being like I'm going to try to understand you why you are that way where that's come from and to just kind of respond with a that must have been hard for you like you almost switch your own yeah. stuff off mm. you know just and sometimes uh, not giving trying to give yeah. advice it's just yeah no, you know, and I think absolutely. that's probably where I get stuck I've probably yeah. never been told that it's okay to be that way yeah. you know it's yeah, like yeah. Again, maybe there's judgment tied in it, you know, for me to say to someone, that must be hard for you, yeah. you know, yeah. to me, I'm like, I've never said that to someone, you yeah. know, but like, maybe I just need to know that it's okay. Well, you just keep you asking know? the questions, is why, why do you think you are that way or what happened then? Just, just ask more questions. Yeah. Um, yeah. But that's what makes great educators is mm. great listeners. Yeah. If you're not listening for what you need to hear to solve the problem, then you can't solve the problem. Yeah. You need to listen first. And if you can solve the problem, then that's when you should maybe offer yeah. your advice. But if you can't, then that must yeah. be hard for you, yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah, that's, and that, that's that's what I think is hard for me there. You know, I, I always feel like I need to have a solution. You know, if I yeah. think I have the solution, I'm like, what? Then they don't get it. I'm like, oh, you know. But then that probably yeah, it doesn't have to you. be this way for you, yeah. you know? Like, but. Then it's reflecting on your own growth then. It's like, has your growth come from other people giving you the answers? Um or is it when they've asked you the question and you've figured it out yourself? Hmm. I'd say a lot of both. Yeah, a lot of both. I think sometimes people give me the advice and then I can work out the answers yeah, and vice yeah. versa. You know, sometimes I come up with my own answers. I'm like, oh, that was cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know, so there's a bit a, of philosophy right there, you know. But. I think for me, uh, thinking about when other people give me answers, I find, say, I've got my friend Charlene, Charlene Fernandez, is amazing, very deep, very emotional, very insightful. Um, I'll be kind of like trying to explain myself or I'll have these certain emotions and she will she'll say something like are you feeling like this this and this or do you think it's because of this and I'm like ah yes you've like just Mm. hit the nail on the head Mm. so I feel like a lot of my growth has come from I suppose that's what happens with the clients them kind of being able to see me and they've described me or my situation in a succinct way or used some particular words that I've learned something about myself but because on some level, I already knew that. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, oh yeah, that, that's what I'm trying to say. That's how yeah, I'm feeling. Yeah. Like, thank yeah. you. So you do need other people to give you a response or it can be very helpful, should I say, for other people mm. to give you a response. Mm, but yeah. you have to kind of like sit with the feelings. Yeah. yeah, I feel like I value like my time with my clients purely on the human connection side of things because I feel like our industry and the way that the world is moving is one of the only industries that really holds on to that human connection yeah, because so lucky. because like otherwise it's like how do we even engage like i get really triggered when i feel like people aren't listening to me oh same like it triggers yeah. the fuck out of me yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, yeah. it really same. it gets me <laughs> yeah, like bad yeah, yeah. Like, if, if, if someone's on their phone and i'm talking to them and i know i catch myself doing it too mm. sometimes i'm sending a message and you know lee might be talking to me and i'm like I'm triggering myself. <laughs> I'm pissed off at myself. But in that, when you're when you're doing someone's hair, they're in their most vulnerable position. Yeah, they're yeah. just a bobblehead, and they, you know, if you engage in a in an engaging conversation, mm. you're more than likely, you know, there's something distracting going on, yeah. so that the deeper stuff can unravel. Yeah, totally. And I feel like the the human connection side of things is really what I value the most. And yeah. it, 
I feel like I'm in a very privileged position now that I've put myself in with years of hard work. But like I kind of get to choose who I see now yeah, in terms of my clients. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And some of them are just like, I don't get the deep stuff out of them, but I just enjoy their company. Yeah, or sometimes I look at my energy like it's an iPhone battery, you know? I can't yeah, just yeah, give yeah. every single conversation can't be a deep and emotional yeah, one. Yeah, but yeah. once in a while, you might tap into that with, with them. And then the next mm-hmm. time they come and you don't speak at all. Yeah. And that's fine because yeah. like the people that you're actually friends with, if you're really good friends with someone, you can just sit there in silence and yeah. Yeah, you just yeah. enjoy each other's company, you know? And you yeah. know when that other person wants mm-hmm. to speak. Yeah. But it's listening to, and it's it's watching too. It's it's not even just the listening. Mm. It's the visual, like mm. seeing mm. and reading the energy. Yeah, I think emotional intelligence is something that we need to teach a lot more yeah, in, yeah. in our industry. You know, yeah, you know, you're so right if about can. The, the, the deep thing as well. Like you know, I, I love a good good DNM, but I'm really trying to focus a bit more on the lighter stuff. And it doesn't mean about small talk or talking about things you don't care about, but humor lightness positivity mm. like mm. like life's fun we can take ourselves far too seriously sometimes yeah. like our industry should be should be fun should be yeah. light like we can access things that are useful to us when we're in a lighter more playful mindset mm. yeah. and i think that's something that i keep coming back to with any personal development work is actually you're at your best when you're being a bit silly mm. when you're having fun with your clothes having fun with hair like, you could teach us a bit of that no. I can, yeah honestly honestly like i i did the, i started this business course last week and they gave us this task to like score the different areas of your life out of 10 and it, like i had to score like my fun level out of 10 as a mm. one out of 10 yeah wow and that was me being really like self-aware and honest yeah because i've got to this point where i've i'm in this toxic masculine masculinity type of yeah race against myself and it's like I fuck mean, I'm forgetting to have I fun I feel like you're being a bit hard on yourself there though like maybe, what, maybe I, I think I think we need to define fun like and this is where I struggled when you said that to me I was like well see fun for me it depends what you mean is are you just bloody jet skiing out in the water somewhere like is that fun yeah, but like yeah. why is the jet ski it's like a it's like a drug I'm right? thinking of kids, not the problem, kids fun but, you know like kid fun where it's like you're not thinking of anything like you said getting a bit silly dancing yeah like, okay, okay. okay like a freedom yeah, that comes yeah, with yeah. That. yeah. allowing like, yourself I don't just dance. to be i don't like yeah, do anything okay, like okay. that you know mm. that type of fun yeah, I, still okay. have, I, I love doing this. To me, this is really fun. But know? that's what I mean. It's like, you know? yeah, uh, that's where I kind of come from the approach of like, I'm trying to enjoy my moments, you know, and this is fun. And I'm going to count this towards my fun points. You know, it's yeah, like, this yeah, is yeah. it. You know, this is this is what I really um, enjoy. And like, I'm going to go home probably feeling like I had a little holiday because I had a yeah, great chat yeah. today, you know, it's like, but let's get back to talking about the, the experience with the client. Where okay. does the haircut and the hair color come into it? Because I think we're unique in the way that we think. We're relating a lot to human connection mm-hmm. and meaningful connection. Where does the haircut fit in all that? And what does it mean? Um, what in the colour? Look, so I suppose how I approach um, colour and... Look, on one level, I guess, my colour is always going to be there to make a haircut look more 3D. It's there to emphasise, add drama or soften something out with the haircut about suitability. But when you're talking about suitability... Um, I have a bit of a problem with those kind of rules around, you know, skin tones, eye colour, face shape and a certain colour suiting them because do you know what, like, it's about how you feel and what you want, like, yeah. if you want to dye your hair red and it's just going to make your face look really more red but you're in that space that like, I need to do something different, I like, love that. go for it, we, like, I've all bad stupid haircuts that I love haven't it. suited me but I've loved them, yeah. so a haircut and colour will serve a purpose in a different way other than just making your face look longer shorter like warmer cooler like just yep. it's about where you're at emotionally 
So we, we just developed uh, we just developed what we call a guest guide, right? So it's going to be because we thought you know just educating the professionals is not enough. We need to bring the client with us, right? So we have this kind of guest guide. It's it's not about knowing like how to cut hair or how to cut or what you need and blah blah. It's just how to think about certain things. Yeah. And there's a thing that I put in there called, but exactly what you just said, the the aesthetic ideals. And I, I like to think I coined that term, but <laughs> but I put it in there and I bring it up a lot. And it's like because it's a rule book, somebody made it up, and just by aesthetic ideals, whether it's the mind's eye or whatever, there are just some things we like to look at. Mm. There's a reason that bowl looks nice. It's finished beautifully and it's shiny. And our mind's eye just likes it. I don't know why. You know, we have linear patterns. We have light the way we have it. But there's nothing to say you can't go against that. Mm. It's the same with a haircut. You know, I say, look, it depends why you want it. If you want other people yeah. to look at you and go, eh, that's good. Objective? There's a reason David Beckham looks good because no one ever puts a haircut on him that's not going to yeah. fit the ideals, right? Yeah. But there's nothing to say you can't go against it. And this yeah. is what I struggle sometimes when people go to me, well, what do you think suits me? Because I've never done that with my hair. I've seen a rock star or something. So I've gone, yeah, yeah. that's what I'm having. Yeah. Put it on my head. Does it suit me? I don't really care, yeah. you know, because I feel really cool. Yeah. And like... So that's why I was saying, like asking where, where does the haircut fit in? But because that's where haircutting fits in for me. It's fun. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. It's cool. And that's how I grew up. I was really into music and stuff like that. And I was just a cool factor, yeah. you know? Like, so, but, what, what does that person need at this time? Like, if, do they just want the same thing because they actually don't want to feel any different? They just need some stability in their life because yeah. they've got so much else going on. Or are they like, do you know what? I need to change. You need to tell me what to do. Mm. And I don't always like that because it's like, I'm just going to project my taste onto you. But actually in that moment, mm. they need somebody else to make mm. a decision for them. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. cool. I can do that. Yeah. I um, think that that's where I fell out of love with um, sort of doing color. I still love seeing beautiful color and I appreciate it. I look at my shit that's good but I fell out of love of actually doing color because it became so much about fitting this kind of image you know when the balayage came in and the face ring got stronger and all this kind of stuff it was like so I'm just tired of it and now it's sort of I see it spreading into the men's hair industry as well I started offering color services at studio not realizing that I'd run into the same issue that I used to have, which was like people worrying about their grays and what shade's gonna fit their face and this. And and honestly, I just had to say, no, I'm not doing it. That, not because I don't believe that that's what you should do. It's just, that's not what I'm trying to project. You know, I'm trying to encourage people to enjoy yourself first. You know, the gray hair is great. You look great with the gray hair. And I've said it to so many people and they're like, really? Oh, and it brings this lightness to them. And, and so now I've just tried to stick to, all right, I'm going to do fashion colors only. <laughs> you want bright pink? Because you like bright pink? Cool, yeah. I'm going to do it. You want bright green because you like it? And that's kind of where I'm breaking it down. Maybe that's not the best kind of outlook for our industry, but that's just where I'm at right now, just to bring some fun back to it. Yeah. You know? And there'll be other people out there that will offer that person the thing that you don't want to do. Exactly, you know, like, exactly. I don't have to be able to provide everybody with everything I'm exactly, to exactly. Yeah. and that's the beauty of the world that we're in i think the beauty of the world that we're in allows us to do that you know like i said the the, the era of the specialist you yeah. know you remember when we when we first started doing hair you know even you before me it's like at the time you kind of had to do a little bit of everything especially where i worked you know hairdresser you need to know how to cut and blow dry and perm and color and you had to do yeah. a little bit of everything because the so-called specialist kind of wasn't around yeah. you couldn't be like i only do blondes yeah. like okay well good luck getting busy you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. so um yeah i think look 
colour's been an interesting one over these last few years and it goes back to these like beauty ideals as well where people are so much more educated and so much more exposed to um, imagery, obviously, with social media, but how hair looks so much bigger and blonder than it actually is in the flesh and there's this idea of beauty or perfectionism that isn't achievable mm. in the flesh and that that for, I find that challenging mm. um, because yeah it, it doesn't exist like I honestly can't remember the last time I saw this it's going to be a bit controversial last time I saw somebody in the flesh with blonde hair that looked really good <laughs> you know like and real is, real and real yeah you know, yeah, yeah, like, yeah 100% what it looks like when, like, when is a face frame two inches thick you know from the sun is just yeah, not and the rest of your hair is dark like, like it's not you know absolutely um, but you know I think going back to like the deeper topic on that particular subject is like even in the men's space now it's like yeah, you know yeah, we see a lot of I guess men coming in with suffering from like real deep self-esteem issues yeah, when it comes wow. to like their aesthetic appearance mm. And it's like, it's funny because for me now, like my hair is going gray and it's falling out. I'm looking at it every day in the shower <laughs> and my hands. And like, you know, somebody the other day asked me, oh, how does that feel? And I'm like, I don't care. Yeah. Like, whatever. If it goes bald, I'll shave my head, you know, like. <laughs> but it was like me the other day, I had a client come in and I was telling him about a few different things and uh, going, going to some events that are coming up and he goes, how are you going to do your hair? And I was like, exactly <laughs> like this. <laughs> He's like, he went, he went well, you got to put your best foot forward and I was like this is my best foot <laughs> but I'm at a point I said I said my best foot I like to lead with the way that I think and the rest comes with it I said if the the moment arises where I'm not accepted because of the way I look then maybe I'm in the wrong room and that's but but it's the message again I'm trying to just embody the message that I want to bring you know and and I think that's fine I think it should be fine the hair is a, a very very powerful tool to make people feel better to make them feel themselves it can serve a purpose but if that basic foundation of self-esteem and self-compassion isn't there, like it's very hard to make somebody happy. You can make people put far too much emphasis in their hair to fix all their problems. And mm. this is where the hairdressers are king. If you can get someone's hair right and they're putting all of their hopes and dreams on their hair looking perfect and you get it perfect, you are king. But if they're like, my life's shit, if my hair's not right, then you are, you're out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the half of the time, yeah. you know, those difficult clients, I'm like, I'm never going to make you happy because you're unhappy within yeah. yourself. The no internal dialogue, yeah. 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 yeah, 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 yeah. And then it's like, I feel like that ties in well with, um, you know, even with Project U, it's like trying to give the consumer or the client a little bit more of an education too yeah. that the stylist can help with some of that deeper <laughs> stuff yeah. yeah because they'll say oh well, who the fuck are you you're just my hairdresser just do my hair and shut up you know like if yeah, you yeah. they could they could as a complete service that. provider just yeah. transactional yeah and that's where yeah. i've been really struggling with it like I, i'm trying to like move away from the yeah. service provider type of level and for me building my personal brand has been really important in mm. that because now the clients that come to see me they respect me on a brand level. Yeah. You know, they're just kind of like getting their haircut from me. I very rarely get any kickback about anything. I kind yeah. of, I express myself how I want to express myself now to a degree. You know, what I think I have to be quite conscious of though is that I don't swing too far the other way where I'm like, ah, oh, the hair doesn't matter so much because you're not happy with yourself. So let's do a bit of work on that. And if I've got a few bleed marks and broken bits around the crown, yeah, that doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah. It's like, no, I mm. still have to have as much care as possible with that but know that it's not going to fix all that other stuff. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. yeah, you need, you, I need both. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and that's, that's really great. And that's where I, I get stuck as well. It's like, 
the other side of it is being a, a technician, you know, being a well-skilled technician, yeah. you know, we know that the bleeds aren't right, but, <laughs> yeah. but, but, but it's not that you don't care. It's no. like, all right, next time we're going to nail it, you know, yeah, and it's yeah. not, not even for the person. Then it's for you then, you yeah. know, you're like, and that's where, yeah, I guess I'm pulled up both ends, you know, someone's yeah. like, oh, this, this, I'm like, I really don't, in my head. And that's where the empathy comes in. The passion's probably, the compassion's probably stopping me, but I'm like, mm. I know this haircut's not going to fix you, but it's going to be one of the better haircuts you've ever had. <laughs> yeah. But purely because there's a level of excellence that I want to work to and uh, a standard that I hold myself to um, as a technician not about anything else you know um but if you're to look at it like you know david beckham taking free kicks arguably the best to do it ever yeah he doesn't score every free kick you know no yeah. and like i think having the humility to say okay this color isn't exactly right there's these marks here and there, there but then being okay with that yeah and not letting where's, that where's affect you in it like yeah i was saying to a mate the other day about perfectionism or like i'd be bored if i was 100 percent happy and got every single color technically perfect every time because i'd be like oh this is easy now yeah like, i always want to see the room yeah. for growth and improvement in it. Like, oh, why did that happen where's the lesson yeah. like what could i do differently like I we i think that was yeah lockdown for us that was my yeah. big realization is that and this is why the projects that we're doing now are so important to me because it kind of got to that point you know i could execute all the haircuts pretty much exactly how i wanted to see yeah. them and it was like okay this is a little boring what now. <laughs> you know, it's and that question and, of and what it, now or but what But it got then, to the or... point, you know, where, and this, I, I feel terrible saying it, they go, jump out of the chair. Oh, I love it. It's the best. You're the best. And I'm just like numb to it. I'm like, yeah. cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. and I don't, I don't want to be in that place. You know, that's it's not Stimulation, where... just keeping yourself stimulated. Yeah, 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 yeah. Always, like, yeah. I think that's where, like, our power has come in education and especially over the years, I did a lot of kind of discovery and education and, I jumped into it very prematurely only like two years into my career and I started doing it and I would always like if I didn't have the answers to the questions I just didn't have the answers to the questions I didn't assume that I knew everything and I still don't like I, I I will say it all of the time I am not the best at men's hair in the world but when you package it all together it's not just about the hair no. do you know why? how you can huh? do you know why why because you Cause are because I am <laughs> 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 but that's you know that but i'll say it all the time i'll just be like i don't i don't care like, you know we do fade classes and it's like i sometimes don't execute the perfect fade but yeah what is the perfect fade yeah it's almost like breaking down that barrier of what is perceived as right or wrong yeah. it's like mm. that podcast we listened to yesterday brilliant day before oh so good and it's like this guy called peter Crohn and he's like um he's like a deep kind of how would, how would you describe him like? Uh, I'd, I'd say almost just like a mindset coach at this point you know from what he was talking about yeah, yeah. So he would deal with people like with addictions and stuff like that and you know the guy would be like oh you know i'm addicted to smoking or i'm i'm, I'm an alcoholic and he'll be like oh great <laughs> and then they're like <laughs> but like the ultimate reframe the ultimate reframe you know but like he's thinking he's saying to them like what at what point did that not become okay like yeah. just because it's not optimal for your health doesn't mean that like who said yeah. that it's wrong or who said that it's right like who who am i to say <laughs> anything you know like it's, it's one of them things but i feel like that about about hair too it's but that, like that's whatever. yeah like, it is what it is that's it's kind of where i'm coming to still. it's kind of what i'm coming to with hair is like you know i guess you know who, who says it's right or wrong how who says you need to think about it any kind of way you know and that's funny because like this will lead us nicely into another topic which would be cool to talk about briefly um the awards mm. 
Like, how does that make you feel? Yeah, when it comes I think to that's the nice awards? to build on the fun kind of thing. And, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. And what yeah. does that mean to you? You know, like, why do you put value, so much value in the awards? Or yeah, so look, the, um, I've been entering the Australian Hair Fashion Awards for the last, uh, since 2014. And look, just to kind of talk about my journey, I, I guess that's been such an interesting venture. And again, there's been so much personal and professional growth that's come out of those experiences. And I was never really into doing photography. I think I like hair that moves, you know, like to kind of capture something in 2D, especially color, where you take a picture and it just looks nothing like it looks like in the flesh. Mm-hmm. It was just mm-hmm. so like taking a picture of a sunset. Oh yeah, it's just, just underwhelming. Like, yeah, underwhelming <laughs> completely. And I think, my management could see that I was getting a bit twitchy or a bit bored and they were like, okay, I think it would be good for you to do the, enter the, the awards mm-hmm. and they kind of supported me. I was like, oh yeah, okay, cool. I'll start to like pull together these ideas. And um, I think going back to that, you know, the self-awareness, like who am I, what color shapes do I like, like that, putting your taste and your technical expertise down on print and to capture that moment in time, like, like photographs are important just in general, whether it's you with a loved one, remember something, whether it's your work, like photographs are important. And it was so incredibly powerful to put down your work. Like I said, your taste level at the time, your, like the things that you really connected to. And then also like the photos that you do that were like, oh yeah, I don't really like that. So why don't you like it? Like what Mm. is it about the shape? Is it the texture, the color? What what, what is it? So you learned so much about yourself Mm. putting work in print. Um, so yeah, I did that in 2014 and I was saying to you guys earlier, like I won in that first year and it was, it was all a bit of a haze. Like I was very confused about like how I felt, like it didn't really mean much to me and people were kind of congratulating me, but I, I don't know. I just didn't really think it felt like what I thought it was going to feel like mm. this idea of success, like what an accolade would give me. And then afterwards just was really flat for ages. Like, oh, what what was that whole experience? But the lead up to it was fantastic. The, yeah, putting something down in print as to who you are was the best part. The actual award side of it, the accolade, for that first year, I must admit, was just very empty. However, what slowly started to happen from there was, yeah, my name was out there a lot more. And these doors would open for me and these opportunities would come to me. And again, I'm going to go off on a tangent, but I think what was so important about that first award that I entered was my submission that I put in, uh, the writing behind the collection, the concept. Like I'm a real conceptualist. Like I like everything to be really themed. It's quite deep and thought out. Um, There was a PR company that read it and the PR company were working with the fame team at the time. Mm. And this woman, Laurie Creasy, read it and said, People don't think like you or like for you to like have such strong conceptualization and to be so aware of it and to be able to put it down in writing, like um, you need to share that. So she then put me into the fame team as a mentor. So that was when I was quite aware of those things that made me unique, I guess. So again, through the awards, putting your taste and skill level down, capturing the time, the conceptualizing, being seen for that and somebody saying, you've got something that other people will benefit from and putting me into the fame team as a mentor um, was amazing. And then, you know, I had various um, successes with photo shoots after that, like the next couple of years. I think my ego kicked in because I was like, yeah, I think I'm, I'm going to win again this year. <laughs> and I wasn't nominated. 
And then yeah. the following year, I was like, oh, yeah, I'm going to win this year. And went like really hard out with my ideas, like again, just very much in my head and not in my, my heart. And um, wasn't nominated again. And then I kind of started to go, all right, well, what, what is a winning collection? What's a nominated collection? What, let me look at other people's work. Not necessarily like the, the style of what they're doing, but what is it that the magic behind that that's getting attention and can I incorporate that into my my work, still be true to my aesthetic, do my best technical skill set, but also kind of trying to keep these people happy as well. Mm. So that was a really nice little challenge. I like yeah. play the game a little yeah. bit and I was nominated. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. I lost myself again and did another really bizarre collection, but um, <laughs> had a lot of fun again. It was what I wanted to do at the time. And um, yeah, I guess I was really fortunate enough that last year I, I won. Um, which was beautiful but again I think I hit that sweet spot of kind of playing the game a little bit but mm. keeping myself happy mm. and then I've done that I think again this year but to like mm. a much much deeper level like, let's talk about your recent uh nominations uh, yeah like, I mean I could uh, I could talk about this this like body yeah. of work all day yeah. and it I think the ignition point for me was um this idea that I think creativity doesn't have to punch you in the face, like especially colour. Um, a lot of imagery has gone very hard out, lots of really synthetic work, lots of very bright, bold panelling and bright colours. And it's a lot to look at. And I think we all need a bit of space to breathe and calm down. And, you know, creativity can be soft and beautiful. So I started looking at like a nude colour palette, like looking at skin and skin tone. Because we all had so much, well, I had so much more time this year. I spent so much time looking at bodies. I was looking at a lot of nude photography online, my own bodies in different light, like staring at my hand for hours, like what colors are in there. I would take photos of it, zoom into it on the computer and kind of just trained my eye as to what colors I'm actually even looking at. Hmm. Um, so yeah, a lot of the hair color is kind of derived from skin tone and then it connecting with humans again, you know, like, hmm. You don't have to be wearing clothes for, to look creative and express yourself. Like you can express yourself by holding your body in a particular yeah. way. Mm -hmm. So just really connecting to the human and trying to get that message across. And then the other part of it, I guess, that makes this collection up is I wanted something that was really diverse. Um, there's diversity in terms of skin tone, gender, sexuality. Um, because I, I truly believe the aspect that I love and connect within this industry is that again going back to this idea that hairdressing's always been a very safe space and that you know when there's such talk of divide in the world whether it is about race gender opinions and choices around vaccines like I've always found the salon a very understanding place like anybody of any hair texture any color any sexuality is welcome in our chair we sit and we do your hair mm -hmm. and as a hairdresser we always celebrated sexuality you know and mm. people in the margins and i wanted that to kind of come across and um i think i was fortunate enough to have a very good team around me with the salon and you know andrew o'toole shot it and kylie o'toole did the makeup and they got what i wanted to do like and yeah. just mm. elevated it hmm. and yeah. um it's everything I wanted to create yeah. and I, I've, it comes from such a deep emotional place that I have, I'm already a winner. Mm, 100%, 100%. I think it comes back to like giving yourself what I took from, from that 
beautiful story it was like it's giving yourself time to to breathe yeah. and letting your mind have time to rest yeah like if you were just caught up doing the normal things mm. running to work running 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 you'll never have time to sit there and look at your hands for many hours because yeah. you just i can't fucking do this yeah you know but, but you can give yourself and your mind time to yeah. breathe you know you've went on your bike rides and you discovered the city yeah. and then when you do put your time into conceptualizing something mm. you come up with something that really represents you i guess yeah. and to not like um feel that when you enter these competitions that you have to shout to get attention mm. like you can draw somebody in with something that's calm and intimate and peaceful and beautiful like you know it's all about people at a party you know you might notice the the loud person with the big boobs and the big air or the big muscles on display but ultimately you're a bit more intrigued by the person that's sat in the kitchen in a hoodie that you have a deeper conversation with mm. um and i think we can get into that headspace we're entering these competitions where i have to i have to do something bold but nowadays i think it's actually quite bold to be a little bit like softer mm. you know mm. to not like understated understated yeah, yeah. not mm. so loud with it like more intriguing it's like yeah intriguing is what i want it's to like do. that thing in the world like you know when you look back at like hunter gatherer stages mm. you know if, if something starts running at you you run away yeah. you know it's, but if if another animal came out of the bush and you looked at it and it ran off in a different direction you'd be more intrigued to like follow it, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like the both yeah. end of the scale. It's yeah, like, yeah. you'd be like, oh, what's going on here? I might miss out. Like, yeah. and you start following it. It's, it's intrigue. Yeah. And, um, and look, there's a place for it. And again, you look at the other work in across all of the collections, but especially in colour and Victorian, which I final for, there's um, certainly a couple that I adore that are much more like, they do hit you in the face, but you're like, wow, there's energy. You are inspiring me. You're stimulating it's very much not to dismiss. I suppose I need to like reiterate, like that's just the space I I was in. Like yeah, yeah. that's what in time. I needed to do. And I will do the brighter work again and the bolder mm. placement. But yeah, for me, it's what I needed to do. It came from mm. a heart place, not a head place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's great. It's a great stamp in time as well, isn't it? I think that's what we all need right now. Yeah. We're in an overstimulated world right now. And yeah. like that, just looking at your collection, kind of, it's just like, ah, it's almost yeah. like warm and fuzzy. You know, it's yeah, just like, you look at it like, Kind of like yeah, even the, the palette is like almost like looking at a, a warm light. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a, like a copper filament bulb, like one of those. It's like someone's mm. just looking at that. And you're like, mm, yeah. it's nice to look at. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. like. But the the one that intrigued me was the the braid one, the dreadlock one oh, yeah. with the veins. Yeah. That that was clever. That was good. So you've already won then. Yeah, you've already won. It's the first place for me. It's so, in the yeah. journey. Um, <laughs> But that's coming back to that. It is in the kind of journey, and I've experienced that. Like I've only ever done one proper like editorial collection, and for me, the most joy in that process was seeing it in front of the backdrop. Everything that I visualized coming to reality. Yeah, it's pretty powerful, that, isn't it? That months later, when the competition arrived and I got all these accolades for it, I was like, "Who cares?" The most yeah. joy came from seeing something turned from a vision into reality absolutely that was what yeah, yeah. got me like yeah and there, there's really important they're getting someone who can see a vision as well wasn't it oh, you know you could yeah. easily pick the wrong creative you know yeah. photographer to shoot your stuff yeah. um if they don't see a vision you know, yeah. Do you um, know what i am um, because i said i am a real conceptualist like my my concept board is like i think i had like 15 20 pages on a powerpoint mm. 
Um, I have all my initial ignition images and then I start to develop them and develop them. I have a page for each model. Like there are so I have words, colors, shapes, textures, references. Um, like I try to communicate as much as possible in a lot of different forms to get that person to understand. Um, I mean, it's like when clients bring in pictures of things, like it's so much more useful as much as they might <laughs> not be realistic. Yeah. At least you're like, okay, I, I you have some idea. Some yeah. Idea. yeah. Mm. So and I, I did that this year with my collections. Um, you know, on my hard drive, I've just got a file, loads of folders, everybody's name on it. Anytime I see something, I'll just boom, chuck it in yeah, the file, yeah, chuck yeah. it in the file. And then come the day, you've got like 30 yeah. different pieces and you go, or, or I'd send, I'd, I'd from one collection I actually sent it to every model yeah. the folder and I was just like just look through this this is kind of the idea for you um, yeah it's powerful yeah, it's that great point, you said about the model I think that's definitely a mistake I've made in the past of like I've chosen a model and they're going to wear my hair whereas actually it's like no I, I need this model to be proud of the hair to connect with the hair that they're wearing to feel like them, themselves and I yeah. think that that comes across I know like Charlene as well when she did her shoot um, recorded a video of her talking um, about the collection what she wants how she wants them to feel what she wants them to embody and like when you look at her work like that very much yeah, comes yeah. across mm. and like when I was consulting with one of my models well all of them really but I was saying you know when how do you like to wear your hair do you feel more comfortable when it's on your face or off your face like yeah. what are your parameters because they have to like, do you want them on the camera just kind of wearing yeah. this thing you know, like... It has to connect. Yeah, yeah. Has there's to an connect. element of confidence that they bring with it, you know. Yeah. But yeah. It's getting the balance right, like, yeah. in everything, you know. Like, yeah. that topic has been coming... That kind of theme has been coming back up again and again. It's, like, just getting the balance right between a lot of different things. Yeah. You know, it's like yeah, you're putting yeah. this mixture into a Nutribullet and you just yeah, need to get yeah. all of the components need yeah. to be up I, correct. Like when you're doing a collection of six as well, there's, like, there's a lot of things you've got to tick. Oh, yeah. That, that balance is hard, but man it's rewarding or if it if you don't hit that balance um you learn why yeah you know um, yeah and that's the thing that's what we're i think as long as you kind of remain in that learning mindset the student yeah. mindset always then you're yeah. you're never going to be unhappy because it's really just in the moment it's like expectation versus reality too isn't it when yeah. you, you expect a certain result and then the reality of it is is is, is something different you know yeah, like, yeah. That's where the personal development comes in as well, though, isn't it? I think that's where these things are so powerful. Yeah. Um, you could just get it caught up in your perfectionism, perfectionism yeah. go, damn, I didn't win. But yeah. like, there's so much to learn from it. So I learned, much. I've learned so much more from the work that I haven't been yeah. um, happy with as well. So Yeah. So something that I sort of like about competition as well, I've been a very competitive person since I was a kid, like sports or whatever. Like, it's, it's not always about the winning. It's There's something in... But when you do win, there's something there that gives you a framework for life. Mm. And you think, hmm. like you said, going back to your collections, what was it that gave me that win? And and it can strengthen you in the future because something mm. that is, it's almost like stoic philosophy. You know, if you never challenge, you never know how strong you can be. Mm. And the same with competition. And there's something in getting a little win just does something later on in life. And it's not about like, oh, I'm the best. It's mm. like, it's what it. The, the human it makes you yeah. you know and I think for people that are afraid of competition or don't ever want to compete or think it's bad to compete because yeah. some people think it's toxic they're like oh there's no point in competition oh well, you know we sure it's like yeah but yeah, I think you miss it. there's something in there that you might miss yeah. that can really help you develop as a human in the so future I think as well um, 
like I said, for me, I am a winner because this is exactly the the body of work I wanted to produce. But yeah, to get, I suppose getting the win would be amazing. But to have the other people love your work and to recognize it and to understand what you want to create, like that creates connection. Hmm. You know, to, and that, that I think makes me feel like warm and fuzzy. To it doesn't just like if somebody doesn't understand it. It's fine. It doesn't take away from the fact that I love it. I don't need other people to love it. But when other people see what I wanted to do and love it, I'm like, oh, great. I've got, yeah. I've got people around me. Yeah, you know? Do you reckon that comes back to, like, again, your, like, your upbringing, like, yeah, in terms totally. of, you know, not being understood? Yeah, completely. And then when you go, went to the salon, you realized, yeah. I'm understood here. And 100%. then that's the connection. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's yeah, mad, isn't 100%. it? How far back it ties, like yeah, yeah. in our, and it still comes out today yeah. in our work. And it's like when, some, like I said earlier, when somebody, when you try and describe yourself or try and say something, and they say, "Oh, are you feeling like this, 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 and this?" and you go, "Yes, <laughs> uh, that's the greatest feeling." Yeah, and then the worst world. feeling is when they say, "When they say, yeah. <laughs> when <laughs> they you say no, it. that's not how I'm feeling." Yeah, and you feel and misunderstood. Dis- oh, that disconnect. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. Hard. it comes yeah, back yeah, again. Yeah, yeah. I feel like the misunderstood yeah. thing is is tough. Like, yeah. like, and for us to really get across like our message in what we want, mm. like want to kind of do within the industry too, is it's, it's tough. It is tough sometimes to actually conceptualize it and get it across all in a short space of time to yeah. capture people's attention. Like yeah. in the attention, when I say attention, I mean the amount of attention they actually have mm. to give to that particular topic. And I feel like, yeah, being misunderstood is one mm. of the things that really triggers me as well. It's, yeah, it's like interesting, that. isn't it? Like, it might be triggering, but I don't know if you should ever get rid of it. You know, there's something in there that yeah, I you think... Learn, you're learning every time. you do get it, it's yeah. sweet. It tastes so sweet. But, you yeah. know what I mean? It's like, yes. Because without that, where, you know, would there be as much development or would these ideas come out or would you try as hard? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it's the whole transformation around understanding your, that whole thing about yourself. It's like, okay, I've, I've felt misunderstood and a lot of times I do feel misunderstood. But now how do I deal with that? Yeah. Can, can I take a little judgment out of it? Can I do that? Yeah, and then it's, yeah. it's a power. Like, that's a powerful thing to have. Incredible. All right, well, we, um, we'll get into one last question oh, yeah, before we wrap go. up. Yep. This is a deep one. Like yeah, I reckon, I reckon it's, it's good though. You know, it's a good one. Are you happy? Very. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually like so happy at the moment. I'm like, anticipating the crash. You know, like yeah. I've been like the last few months. Um, again, I don't, I don't like strive to be happy all of the time. I, I, I just like to feel content. I like to develop understanding. I like to kind of feel a bit more steady like that. Happiness, like in terms of like joy, um, yeah, I've gone through a really long period of being really happy, um, and actually, it's funny. I'll tell you a quick story. I was like, oh, my crash came last week when my bike, which I bought three weeks ago, was stolen. Oh wow! And and you know, I'd had a bad lock on it. I'd locked it in a bad place. I was just like, and all day, just like really down on myself. Of just like, you're idiot, you're idiot, and I was like, yep. Yeah, here we go. Here's the crash. You've had a good run for like four months of feeling really happy. You know, you're going to feel crap for the rest of the month. Then you start doubting everything. Anyway, that night, like my housemate said, oh, you should post about it on like the Good Karma Network, like the local Good Karma Network. Like sometimes bikes get found. I was like, no, 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 they don't. Anyway, I posted it. And um, that night somebody took a photo and sent it to me saying, is this your bike? It's locked up at the side of Edinburgh Gardens, like 10 minutes from where I live. 
And cut long story short, I went, it was still there, called the police. I could prove it was mine, my receipt and the serial number. They got the bolt cutters, cut it off, and I got it back. Wow. <laughs> Amazing. I was then even more grateful. I'm like, oh my God, that's the best feeling, you know, when like you're just yeah. down on yourself and you think you've lost yeah. something. And like, so yeah, I'm back up, back up there again. But um, yeah. yeah, I am very happy. Yeah. I think yeah. it comes back to like, you know, what I get from you is like, there's that positive mental attitude always, you know, like towards any situation, like, ultimately you know even though you might have the little dip yeah it never goes below like a baseline and then yeah. you just pick it back up again you know and that's, that's to find the lessons and the opportunity and stuff yeah that's great and i feel like there's a lot of like you know there had to be a moment of transformation maybe it's just always been with you but like the radical acceptance as well you yeah. know in the moment with that bike it's like you know what happened <laughs> you know yeah. like yeah. yeah um and and i think that could help a lot of people yeah, yeah. what is normal you know what should have happened yeah. expectation yeah. versus reality all that stuff it would just be a bit more accepting of things yeah, and that, move and through them that you know? lesson as well what's funny with the whole bike thing though is for the last three weeks I've been going that's going to get stolen you're going to get that stolen you're going to get that stolen <laughs> yeah you know, yeah. maybe it was the energy like yeah, you know totally. and it's it's so like crazy for me these days like I really I'm trying to consciously put a lot more trust in like just the universe in general yeah. like knowing that like okay your bike got stolen but it was precisely what was supposed to happen, happen. Yeah. because it happened. Yeah. There's no other explanation. Yeah, it's just yeah. because it happened. And like these days when I'm running around the place and I'm late and I'm this, if I let that affect my happiness, mm. it's like, all right, if it's like something happened last night or this morning with the keys for the shop and it's like, well, yeah, it's fucking annoying, but like <laughs> it, happened. it happened. And maybe I have avoided something else that could have yeah happened you know yeah. in terms of the butterfly but, effect i think i said that to you a couple of weeks ago you were annoyed about not being on time or something like that You're like oh i'm gonna be late i'm like it's all right like it's okay you know yeah. what where's that coming from why, why do you feel so bad and like you could have avoided something else yeah, yeah so. i try to think of like my little go-to line as well is like how useful something is as well like any thought like if i have a negative thought if i'm down or confused i'm like okay well, how, how useful is this yeah um or something great. perceived as being bad as well like, okay where's the there's the opportunity how can this be useful to me and then that just instantly like switches my mindset back out of it yeah there's a guy Mo Gordat talks about that I think he, have you have you seen yeah, his work yeah, yeah he says he's that. great Love is this thank you thank you ego uh, have you got another thought for me yeah. <laughs> you know almost try and train his brain to shift that one and bring yeah. it bring a useful one in you know yeah, that's where self-awareness comes in and catching yeah. it yeah understanding what it is and why it comes up and where it comes from as well like and i think you know yeah tying it all in together i think that's why i'm kind of on this deep soul work kind of journey mm. like I, I was listening to that S Stephen and mel robbins podcast on the way here and i was almost crying like just because i was relating so much to certain things yeah. that you don't even realize about like growing up or your yeah, childhood yeah. and then you start tying that into like just the everyday little things that seem like irrelevant on the surface but it's just whole, whole how you framework, act, yeah. yeah like it, how you've it been influences everything. How you've been built, and I think, yeah, yeah. For for me, anyway, that that learning, that understanding, those like penny drop moments are like what what I strive to have, just like more and more of them. They make me feel good and connected to self and connected to people. Like that that understanding, I will continue to just keep searching for those experiences and and moments. And yeah, for me, that's what makes the world go round. Well, I think that's a beautiful way to wrap it up honestly i think um it's been an 
absolute pleasure to uh to connect with you today yeah same boys thank you very much it's an I, honor think, um, I think we've started off like well, look we were we were friendly as it was but i think this might start off a deeper friendship yeah, yeah, between absolutely. us you know getting on that level it, it's, it's hard There's to more get to on this that conversation level. Yeah, yeah. 100%. <laughs> yeah we might even have a part two at some point you know absolutely. we'll go all right we'll go for part two but Thank Maybe you so the much. Guest, just be the regular guest. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, just Jack's back. In. Jack's back. <laughs> he just turned up today. <laughs> just popped in next yeah, week. He just popped yeah. in. Hi, guys. <laughs> but no, thanks so much, Jack. It's pleasure. been a pleasure. And um, thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you very much. And we hope you enjoyed it. Cheers.